All praises, all praises, all praises. I want to give all praises, honor, and glory to the Most High Yahweh, and we do so by Hashem Yahweh Shah, man. Hopefully, you know, this time things will be better. Uh, things will be good um, this time when it comes to the recording, uh, to the uh, screen sharing, and etc. like that. So hopefully things will be better, and hopefully things will be more uh, fluent and clear, etc. So we are going to lead back to what we were talking about, you know, the, on the last podcast. So I understand in the last podcast, we really wasn't talking about, um, we really wasn't talking about the law. We were ma- mainly talking about Romans. And, um, but this time he gets more into the, uh, he gets more into depth into the law. So we are going to actually talk about the law and uh, talk about, you know, his ideology, and etc. But first and foremost, I want to give all praises on the glory to the Most Yahweh and do so by Hashem Yahweh Shah. Man, let's get into this podcast. Let's go and let's get it. It allows us to really look at the gospel as good news. Um, and essentially, as sinful lawbreakers, we need to rest upon the sinful or the sinless law keeper. And I tell people, we talk about this in the church all the time. We, we think that, you know, people will say phrases like, Jesus died for you. And I go, that's true. Um, in the sense, if you're talking to somebody that is uh, a Christian, Jesus died for their sins. He died for the sins of their people, of his people. But what we don't often say is that Jesus lived for you. And Jesus doesn't just die for the penalty and the sin that covers the, uh, the, the, the sins of his people, but he actually keeps the law perfectly and imputes his righteousness to us through faith. So verse 29 says, Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also. So- All right, so this is what we're going to do. We are going, uh-oh. Okay, it's still recording. Okay, just had to make sure. Okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're just going to fast forward just a little bit. struggling a concept for them because Paul is claiming that the special relationship that God had with Israel has now been expanded to include other nations. This is something that you need to grab. Oh, boy. (laughs) So here, through God's people, through the church, wants to come in. This is part of this great taking dominion. Faith is not a national quality that's limited to only Israel. Faith is a universal attribute that, again, expands the new covenant into a greater opportunity for the Gentiles to come in. This is part of this great taking dominion uh, over the whole world, uh, the redeeming of uh, of the earth through God's people, through the church. This is what is a part of what we're going to see here. Well, I got a problem with that, and the Bible would not really uh, substantiate that. You know what I mean? And here's why. Let's go to Hebrews 8, right? Let's go to Hebrews 8 and 8. And let's see who the covenant is, is actually for, right? Did you guys not hear him say that the covenant was for um, the Gentiles also? Now, those Gentiles in Romans, I mean, those are the Israelites, and we're going to get that as well, right? So, where is it? Yeah. Okay. This is Hebrews chapter eight, verse eight. It says, for finding fault with them, he said, behold, it, behold, the day saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. So the covenant that the, that the most high is actually going to make is with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. They're not going to be with the house of the Gentiles and with the house of the church. Right. It's only going to be with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And that's the problem that we have, right? So he said one one more thing. He said that, you know, um, he said that, you know, yes, it is global that the Gentiles, that the ethnic Gentiles, right, that are uh, that are non-Jews, they can have faith. And you're right. They can have faith. But even though they have faith, right, let's, let's go to Matthew 15. Let's go to Matthew 15 and 20, I think. 21, no, not 21, uh, let's go to, 
Let's go to 22. It says, Matthew 15 and 22, <clears throat> it says, And behold, a woman of Canaan, which is a Gentile, right? Which is a Gentile from the other na uh, nation. She is not an Israelite, right? Came out of the same cost and cried upon him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is, graf uh, is uh, gravously vexed with a devil. Verse 23, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came besought him, saying, uh, send her away, for she cried after us. Right. Verse 24. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Right. Verse 25. Then came she worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And what did Christ say? He said in verse 26. But he answered and said, it is not me to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs, right? So even though that this that this Canaanite woman believed 100% does not mean, right? Does not mean anything. She can have faith and that's fine, but she's still going to get the crumbs and <clears throat> she's still going to get the crumbs. And in verse 27, it says, and she said, true, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. So this woman acknowledges that she is a dog, that she is below the Israelites, below his people. And the re reason why that Christ even saved her and he denied her three times, let's just or not the third time. Actually, yeah, three times, I believe so. He said, you know, he said, oh, woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt, right? So they can have uh, faith. It's okay, right? They can have faith because we should know that, you know, in the end times, the other nations are going to worship the Israelites as well. They're going to worship them. Now, if you guys are kind of confused about that, or actually not worship Salag Lakia, um, they are going to um, be saved through them. Salakia, not worship them, but save through them. Now, the other nations will go into captivity under the Israelites. But we have to understand that even though that the other nations will have faith in the um, in the other nation, or sorry, if the other nations have faith in Christ, I mean, it's okay. I mean, there's no issue with that. But does that mean they're going to be saved? Does that mean they're going to be, you know, um, with the Israelites? Does that mean that the laws pertain to them? No. Right. And let's go to Romans. Right. And I want to let you guys know Romans one, because I'm going to go in here to clarify something about, you know, everybody believes that the Gentiles in Romans are actual Gentiles from other nations. Right. Let's go here. It says Roman uh, one and seven. It says to all to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Right. Called to be saints. Now, who is a saint in the Bible? Who is a saint in the Bible? Right. People say, well, the believers of Christ is a saint. Right. The Bible does not say that. OK. It does not say that. Let's go to Psalms. I think it's uh, 50. I believe Psalms 50 and 5. It says, gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And you guys can read that, I believe, in Exodus 24, uh, Exodus 24 and 7 through 11, actually, that the Israelites made a covenant with the Most High God. Right. So the, so the saints are Israelites. So we have to understand that clearly and perfectively. Now, in the same manner that Paul demonstrated that all are equally under the law, both Jews and Gentiles, Paul is demonstrating that all are equally justified through faith. And so this isn't just a promise to those who had the law. It's a promise to those who didn't have the law. And so now I just want you guys to know, too, in my last podcast, if you did not hear, I clarified that you can also be justified by works. Right. So go check out that podcast, the first part. To a Jew, this would be a difficult concept to, to accept. I mean, this is a struggling uh, a concept for them because Paul is claiming that the special relationship that God had with Israel has now been expanded to include other nations. 
Not necessarily, because, of course, like I just said, we just understand or we just under uh, we just read that the covenant is for Israel and Judah. Now, if you should know, everybody should know this. But the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom split apart and they were what, guys? They were scattered abroad all nations. So when there were Jews, even though they're the same people, even though there were Jews that were keeping the law, keeping the traditions and the customs and everything like that, there were also Jews that were being Hellenized at this period a period of time. There were Jews that were being Hellenized. There were Jews that were uh, following other customs of other nations, right? There were even Jews that were in uh, that were being called Samarians. So we have to understand that 100%. You know what I mean? So that's the thing that we need to understand. It's not about, you know, God wants everybody to join in one. It just means that at this time there were there were Jews from the southern kingdom, which is the southern kingdom is Judah, Benjamin and Levi. And then the rest are the northern kingdom. Right. They didn't get along. And that's where Paul talks about in Romans 11 when it comes to the olive tree, because we should know that the olive tree is only for the Israelites. I think that's in what Jeremiah 16. So come on, man. We we have to understand that. This is something that you need to grasp as the contextual side of this discussion. So this is nothing more than the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham, Genesis 22, 17 through 18, which says, quote, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand is of the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. I'm glad you went there. I'm really glad you went there because that is true. All nations will be blessed. But here is a kicker, though. What do you say, 17? 17. What, what is it? Hold on. 17, 18. Okay. Let's go to Genesis 22 and 17, KJV, right? Because he's reading another translation. It says that in blessing, I will bless thee. And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand, which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Whoa. Whoa. Let's go to verse 22. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed because thou have obeyed my voice. Right. So he's going here and he's saying that all nations shall be blessed. Right. Because of the faith, because he obeyed the most high. Right. Here's the problem, though. Let's keep let's read 17 one more time that in blessing, I will bless thee. And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And they shall possess the gate of his enemies. Right. I want you guys to know this. 100 percent. I want you guys to know this 100 percent. How can the Israelites or how can all nations be blessed? How can all nations be blessed if the nations attack God's chosen people? Let's say, for instance, Babylon or no, actually, let's go back. Egypt, the Egyptians, Babylon, the Persians, Rome, Greek, the uh, Grecians. The Israelites have been in so many captivities to the point where how can the other nations be blessed? But they haven't blessed the Israelites. Right. Let me see here. So I don't think it's 18. 
18 and 18. Yeah, 18 and 18. Genesis 18 and 18. That's what I was trying to look for. Right? I wonder why he didn't go to Genesis 18 and 18. Right? It says, be blessing him. Let me read this real quick. Seeing that. It's not this one. Bless him that. Nations will be. You catching me? Um, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Genesis 12. Genesis 12 and 3. There we go. Genesis, and I will bless you. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Genesis 12 and 3, right? <clears throat> it says, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse of him that curse of thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed, right? So how can every nation be blessed? Now, I'm not saying that the other nations can't be blessed, right? I'm not saying that. But how can that happen if... The other nations have cursed the Israelites. The other nation has cursed God's chosen people. So why would they have a blessing? We have to make that make sense. Let me say it one more time. How can the other nations be blessed if God or not God, but if the nations didn't bless the Israelites? They always cursed them. So it has to be talking about the end time prophecy. Come on now. Oh, I didn't mean to go there. Hopefully this hasn't froze yet. <laughs> Let's keep going. End quote. So the promise is also fulfilled in part through Paul's ministry. We see this in Acts 9.15 when God is talking to Ananias, when Paul has gone blind and Ananias is to restore his sight. Uh, he tells Ananias, quote, go, for he, that's Paul, is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. So this already starting to see this expansion of the gospel, expansion of the kingdom that's going to go beyond the Jews. This is uh, also a promise that's realized in the Great Commission, which is given by Jesus in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, that says, quote, and Jesus came up. And spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and disciple the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded to you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And we're gonna, we're, We are going to get this. Lord, I have heard many things, or many of these men, how evil or how much evil he have done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here, isn't this the killing of a uh, of a uh, Stephen? No, I think that's seven. Yeah, I think that's seven. And here I have authority from the chief priests to bend the call, but the Lord said, said unto him. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings of Israel. And I... Nice. 
Meninitis. Aeonitis. <laughs> Jehovah. A certain Christian, Christian at Jerusalem. A husband. A son of Nidabias, I believe. Nidabias, a high priest of the Jews. In the in the year six by the Sicarii. Yeah, he was an Israelite, my man. I was wondering if he was was an Israelite. Like I was, I was trying to look, and I was like, you know, he looks like an Israelite, or not look like an Israelite, but in the context, it sounds like he's a Jew, or he's an Israelite for that matter, and he is. So, you know, the name of three Israelites. Yeah. So to go here and to say that, to say that, to go to Acts, what, 9 and 15 or, or uh, Acts, yeah, <laughs> Acts 9 and 15, go thy way for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles, right? So they look at, see, and this is what I mean when, when I say I get tired of people just in there. Gentiles, okay? We all know Gentiles, okay? Gentiles, when they see Gentiles, they think of it as a non-Jew. And I want to prove it. So hopefully my thing is recording, right? Okay, Gentiles right here. You guys see it, I hope. G1484, it means ethnos, right? Let's click on it. It means ethnos. Ethnos means a multitude, whether of men or beasts, associated or living together, right? All this is talking about, all that Gentile means is a nation. I just want everybody to understand that. Gentiles only means nation. It does not mean anything else but nation, majority nation. Now, it can be used as like we see right here in the translations in the KJV, it can be used for uh, Gentiles, nation, heathen, people. It is used. Uh, it is used in the KJV of heathen five times, five times. Nation, Gentiles, <laughs> Gentiles, right? Like we have to understand Gentiles only means uh, nations. It just means people, right? A multitude of individuals in the same nature or genetics, the human family, a tribe, nation, people group. I mean, that's simple. In the Old Testament, foreign nations not worshiping the true God, pagan Gentiles. Like, come on. Gentiles just mean ethnos. I just want everybody to understand that. Right. Then he went to a big topic. He went to. I believe what Matthew 28 and they go here a lot too. Matthew 28. Matthew 28 and what is it? Which one did he say? Okay, 18 and 20, of course. I'm going to just do this quick cuz this isn't really talking about the law. It says <clears throat> And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. This kind of kills the Trinity. Uh, verse 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations, right? So they see this and they see all nations right here, right? They see all na uh, nations. And it says, baptizing them in the name of the of name of the uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, right? Verse 20, teaching them the Observe all things or teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So they go here, of course, and they say, teach to all nations. So if you go here, I bet you it means Gentile, which is fine. There's no issue with that. Right. Because I'm going to teach you guys something. So when it says. Preach to all nations, right? It means ethnos, right? And like we mean, or and like I just 
just said, ethnos means what, guys? It only means nation. Now, why did Christ say that we need to go preach or why do we need to go preach to all nations? Does that mean that we need to go preach to the Gentiles? No, Does the, or not the actual Gentiles that are actually heathens that are non-Jews. Do we need to go preach to them? No. And here's why we don't need to preach to them, right? Because at the time, Peter and Paul, they were sent to different people that were Jews. I believe that Peter was sent to the Jews and then Paul was sent to the actual Gentiles that were Hellenized Jews. Right? That's what we need to understand. And then let's go to Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews 1. Let's just get this real quick. Let's go to Hebrew 1. This is why, or no, not Hebrews 1, uh, James 1, Salakia. James 1. Now, why do we need to go preach to all of the nations? Here's why. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Right? So that's the reason why that we had to go teach all nations because the Israelites were scattered abroad. Which prophecy states that they were going to be scattered abroad? So that's why. And them to observe all that I have commanded to you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And lastly, uh, Paul is confirming and summarizing this promise of the expansion to the Jew, or from the Jews to the Gentiles in Galatians 3, 26 to 29, he says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were, who were baptized into Christ have... Dude, man, this, 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 Galatians 3, Christians' favor, right? They go here all the time. Ah, pretty simple. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are one in Christ, right? Always go here. Now, this is why you got to go to the uh, concordance, right? That's why you got to go to the concordance. What is this right here? Does anybody know? It's Helen. It's Helen, right? So if we go here to Helen, when we go to the Greek, Helen, so let's just go to it, right? A Greek either by nationality, rather a native of the mainland or of the Greek island or colonies, right? In wider sense, the name embraces all nations, not Jews, that made the language, customs, and learning the Greek and learning of the Greeks their own. The primarily uh, reference is to a difference of religion and worship. What does this mean? This means that there are people, right? There are Greeks by nation. Nality, rather of a na native of the mainland or of the Greek island or colonies, which means there are people that are living in Greek or Greece at the time, I, I believe so, that were Hellenized. And then we can also go here to the definition, right? Strong's definition. It says a Helen, Grecian, inhabitant of Hellenists, by extension of Greek-speaking person, especially a non-Jew. So this can be, uh, so a Helen can be reference to a Jew that is a Greek-speaking uh, Jew, or it can be actually talking about an actual Greek. Now, how can we tell if this is actually talking about a Hellenized Jew? It's very simple. Let's go to 29. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed. And here's according to the promise, right? The promise. The promise, the promise, the promise, right? Who has the promises, guys? Do y'all know? Romans 9 and 4. Who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the, and the covenants and the giving of the law? and the service of God, and the promises. Plain and simple, man. 
have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendant. Trying to get to where where he talks about the law. Hey, what if I told you that you could go for... Lord have mercy. In Matthew 5, 17 through 20, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth passes away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes on one of these on one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay. So the central failure of the American evangelical. Okay, guys, are y'all ready? Finally talks about the law, right? So we're going to talk about the law. So he brings up the law. He goes to Matthew five, which is which is a which is a great, great, great chapter and great uh, verse. Matthew five and seventeen. So let's go. Evangelicalism is our commitment to preach Jesus without the law. This is so frustrating because the law is actually the thing that wounds, and the gospel is the thing that heals. In the law, God still has an extreme standard of righteousness, and that standard is the law. Yes, it has been fulfilled in Christ, but nevertheless, we still must absolutely uh, work to maintain our personal sense of holiness to that law. The good news is that though we fail, we don't rest on our ability to keep that law. We rest on the ability of Christ. <laughs> Let's just go back a little bit. Jesus without the law. This is so frustrating because the law is actually the thing that wounds and the gospel is the thing that heals. He said the he said the law wounds. He said basically what he's saying is that if you keep the law, the law is going to hurt you. Wow. The law is is good. KJV, right? Is it this? Yes. Romans 7 and 12. It says, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Why are you saying that the law is is going to hurt us, but the gospel is going to heal us? Isn't the if see in the ideology of Christianity, don't they teach that? In the gospel, which are the four books, Matthew, Mark, John, and Luke, they teach you about the law and they teach you to keep the law. Even Christ said, hey, keep the law, right? So that's one flaw about what you just said. Wow. Can't believe he said that. In the law, God still has an extreme standard of righteousness and that standard is the law. Yes. If you agree that the law is righteousness and why are you calling the law bad and it'll hurt us you see the contradiction right here (laughs) it has been fulfilled in christ but nevertheless we the law has been fulfilled in christ now we're going to debunk that easily but let's let's just continue still must absolutely uh work to maintain our personal sense of holiness to that law the good news is that though we fail, we don't rest on our ability to keep that law. We rest on the ability of Christ to keep that law. And so the law is the ability to essentially for the lost person in our evangelism is to drive them to self-despair. They cannot keep the law. They will be unable to do so. I often tell people the reason we teach our kids the Ten Commandments is why? It's because we want to teach them 
They can't keep the law. It's the standard of righteousness that God demands that only Christ could keep. And God still desires us to keep that law. But at the end of the day, we can't keep it. We can't maintain that righteousness to those Ten Commandments. And this wow. Oh, 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 my gosh. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I pray and I, I pray and hope this is still recording. My screen is still recording. Let's just go in this. He said that we cannot keep the law. He said why? He said we cannot keep the law. Tell me this, right? Tell me this. Let's just go here, right? Uh. Matthew 5, right? Matthew 5. Let's go to Matthew 5. Let's go to Christ's words. Matthew 5 and 48. Matthew 5 and 48. He said, Be ye there perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. So if we cannot keep the law, and if we can't even keep the simple Ten Commandments, then you're telling me that what Christ said right here is we're not even going to listen to what Christ is saying. Christ said that we can be perfect just like his Father in heaven is, in, uh, is perfect. So we have, the, uh, we have the, the opportunity to be perfect. Are you kidding me? And then let's just go here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then he also said, he was like, you know, if you can't, hold on. Oh, my gosh. Eternal. It's all wrong. It's okay. Matthew 19 and 17. Let's go to Matthew 19 and 17. This is unbelievable, man. Oh, my gosh. Matthew 19 and 17. It says, and he said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. But if you, but if thou wilt enter into life, Keep the commandments. Right? Then he teaches you. Right? He teaches you the uh, the ones to keep. Right? Now, y'all might say, oh, this is talking about the Ten Commandments, whatever the case may be. Uh, this is talking about, you know, uh, that we should keep the simple Ten Commandments, whatever. Let's just go here, right? Let's go here again. These two. Where is that scripture? Let me find that. Is it Matthew 22? Matthew 22 and 40. Okay, so let's go to Matthew 22 and 37. It says, Jesus said unto him, Thou love, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and, and with all thy soul and with all thy mind, right? This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 40, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Right? So this means that the two greatest commandments hang with the law and the prophets. Are you kidding me right now? 
Let's go to the council. The last one. Let's go to the council. He said that uh, that we teach right our kids the Ten Commandments to teach them that we can't keep the whole law, right? That we can't keep the whole law. Where is it, right? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? This is ridiculous, man. Trying to find it real quick. Salakia. Get into the world. How for a sentence. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's go to, uh, this is Acts 15 and 18, right? So this is a council. This is James speaking. He said, known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world, right? Verse 19, wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them, which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, right? Verse 20, but that we write unto them, that they abstain from pollution of idols and foreign fornication and from things strangled and from blood, right? What does James say in the council? He says, for Moses of old time have in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Dude, are you telling me that we should only teach our children the simple Ten Commandments? No, we should teach them about fringes, keeping the Sabbath day, about what not to eat, what clean things to eat, what clean things not to eat, about the priests, how they act, and everything like that. In the Sabbath day, they be teaching these people we're teaching these Gentiles, right? And we, and I'm just saying, I believe that these Gentiles in Acts 15 are, are actually talking about Israelite foreigners that have repented and turned to the Most High God. They are turning back from being Hellenized and are going back to their traditional customs that they had from old. And they are going in the synagogues and they are learning the Torah every Sabbath day. This was after Christ was dead. And you're telling me that when Christ died, he fulfilled the law. <laughs> oh my gosh. Let's see what Christ fulfilled, right? What did Christ fulfill, right? Acts the Acts the third chapter. Acts the third chapter, verse 18. Let's see what Christ fulfilled. He it says, But those things which God before have showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he have so fulfilled. So what he fulfilled when he was talking about Matthew uh five and seven, he's talking about um he's going to fulfill everything that he was supposed to do that the prophets have said. Since the day of old. In his birth. Death. And resurrection. Or sorry. Re resurrecting. That was what he was supposed to fulfill. Because we should know there are still unfulfilled prophecies. That still have to do with Christ. Have not been fulfilled yet. So until. Heaven and earth pass until all be fulfilled, which not all has been fulfilled yet. Let's just go to it. Let's just go to it. Matthew 5. This is crazy. This is crazy. Matthew 7 or Matthew 5 and 7. 
17, my bad. Think not that I am come to destroy the law. So Christ isn't come to destroy the law because I'm because I just showed that he was teaching to keep the law or the prophets. I am not to uh, I am come not to destroy, but to fulfill. Verse 18, for verily I say unto you, until heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle and no wise shall pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Has all been fulfilled? No. There is prophecy that states that that states that Christ, when he comes back first, when he comes back, I think it's what Isaiah 50 or not 50, uh, 63, I believe so. When Christ is is going to come out of Baza, uh, um, Bosna. And he's and he's going to come out of Baz, Bosna. Actually, let's get it. Let's get it. Isaiah, I think it's 63. Let's see if it's 63. I think it's 60 or 63. 63, all praises. It, this is Isaiah 63 and 1. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments, which is uh, with dyed garments in Basra? Now, the dyed garments is blood. Right? That uh, This that is glorious in his apparel traveling in the greatness of his strength i that speak in righteousness mighty to save every theologian christian apologist would say this is talking about christ this is talking about christ coming in basra right to come it for edom for the edomites with dyed garment from Basra. So he's, and then if you guys don't believe me that this is talking about blood, let's go to verse two. Wherefore aren't thou red in thine apparel and thy garments like him that, that tradeth in the wine fat? Mm. Verse three, I have trodden the wine press alone and of the people. There was none with me for I will tread them in my anger and trample them in my fury and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments and I will stain all my remnant. <clears throat> Come on, man. All has not. When has this been? When has this happened? It hasn't happened. So not all has been fulfilled. Plus, we have to understand Christ's second coming hasn't even been fulfilled. <laughs> Come on, dude. This is uh, this is what sober preaching of the of the law does. It becomes a catapult to Christ. It takes us to Christ. It forces us to realize that we cannot justify ourselves, but we need the righteousness of Christ. So Paul is teaching here that the fulfillment of the law by Christ on behalf of his people doesn't nullify the justification or, or the, sorry, the jurisdiction of the law in his people. In a very real sense, the law has a purpose. And what is that purpose? We know it because Paul just said it. It's the, to bring about the knowledge of sin. That's what it does. It's a mirror to ourselves to show it's a measuring stick and a rod to make us realize that we are not righteous and that we need an alien righteousness, a righteousness of Christ that can be given to us again by faith. And so oh, Lord, I agree because it shows that we can't fulfill the law without the Messiah and believing on him. Plus, it is a law to believe on the Messiah. Deuteronomy 18, 18, 1 John, I think 5, 23, or 3 and 23. 1 John 3 and 23 talks about believing on Christ. That's a commandment. So the law is still active in the world. It still absolutely should be used in our preaching. It still has a purpose of instructing even to the Christians. So namely, the law of God has both a condemning power over the lost or over the world, and it has an instructing or guiding power over the saints. And this is how we have to view the law. So we still need to be absolutely, you know, uh, you know, Thou shalt not commit adultery. I mean, this is absolutely something that we should be aiming for. And Jesus doesn't even just leave it at that. He actually says, 
you've heard that it says to not commit adultery. I'm saying to you, even if you lust after a woman, you commit adultery in her heart, in your heart. So what, uh, what Jesus is doing is he's actually saying the law isn't just the actions. It's actually the thoughts and intents of the heart. So Jesus is a law magnifier. So he's saying it's not just about following just what is said here. It's actually the internal state of your heart matters to the law as well, which should make people despair even more because they're thinking to myself, oh my goodness, if lusting or thinking hateful thoughts or or thinking blasphemous ideas, if even the thought of those things breaks the law, there's no way I'm going to be found righteous. And this is why Jesus says that you have to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, which leaves everybody in the room going, well, I can't do that. The Pharisees are the most extreme religious zealots that are there. And, and I'm no, nowhere close to that religious holiness. And this is exactly what Jesus is doing. He's saying, you can't do it. You can't do it. You need to turn to Christ. You need to have faith in Christ to bring your justification through faith. Because <laughs> Do you know what's crazy about that? You know what's crazy? Now, I agree with partially half of the things he said. Yes, we do need to keep the law, statutes, and commandments. That's the best thing to do. But what I don't like what he said was at the very end about the Pharisees. The Pharisees are zealous. Let's go to what Christ said, right, that we need to do. I think it's Matthew 23. Yeah, Matthew 23. It says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So which means that the Pharisees... Uh, they sit in Mo Moses' seat because they know the law. They know the Mosaic law like crazy. Right? But what does Christ say that we should do? He says in verse the third verse, All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. So what is Christ saying? Christ is saying that, you know, you guys need to observe what the Pharisees tell you when it comes to the Mosaic law, but don't do what they do because they are hypocrites, because they do the opposite from what they tell you. So this is a commandment saying that Christ wants us to follow the Pharisees. Why are you teaching that we can't do it when Christ is telling you that we can do it? Man, I want to give all praises, honor, and glory to the Most High Yahweh. And we do so by Hashem Yahweh Shai. I just want to say, keep the law, statutes, and commandments. And keep faith in Yahweh Shai, man. Because he only died for the Israelites, man. It's plain and simple. Until then, Shalom. Peace. <laughs>